0: Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. What's up, everybody? Did you guys enjoy your snow days? Yeah, we missed you. I'm glad that we're back, and I'm glad that spring weather is here. I don't know how long because I don't really check the weather that often, so I'm not really sure, but I hope it's for a long time. Well, Um, It's been a while, so I wanna remind us of what we're doing because if you're anything like me, you've maybe already forgot what you were doing last week. So we are in the Sermon on the Mount, um, which is Matthew chapters five, six, and seven where Jesus is on a mountainside and he is teaching these crowds and his disciples about what the kingdom of God is like. Um, And it's very different from what they're used to. It's very different than what the world does. And so like three weeks ago or four weeks ago, if you can think back to that long of the time, Jesus said something And maybe answered a question that people were asking in their minds of what is Jesus going to do with the law? What is Jesus going to do with the ways um, that our people have lived, our history, and the way that we live? And this is what Jesus said. He said, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And then three weeks ago, we talked about anger, right? Do you guys remember talking about anger? Anger. Kind of, okay, at least he's honest. Uh, Well, we talked about anger. And then the last two weeks, we are gonna talk about other things because what Jesus did is after he said he came to fulfill the law, he gave six different scenarios um, of how this was to take place. And he started with the Old Testament law and the Jewish law, and then he made it more full, right? To fulfill, to actually fill full or make complete And he used this phrasing, but I tell you, which is when he was saying, I am an authoritative teacher, listen to me now, tell you how to live with this. And the things that Jesus said were pretty shocking to the people who were first hearing, and also to us, all right? And so I've gotta be honest with what Olivia, that was you, right, Olivia? With what Olivia read on the screen, um, I am not great at this. All right, I am not great um, at not retaliating. So as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, what is a story that's like not, not really embarrassing or like too like, Peyton, they're gonna think really bad of you if you tell it. So I was thinking back to when I was in fifth grade. You should know in fifth grade, I looked ridiculous. All right, I had a snaggle tooth because I fell when I was young and like hit my tooth and messed my gum up. So I had braces for a little bit, I think in sixth grade. Um, And in fifth grade, I was just, I was like 4'11", but basically the same as I am now. So my hair was crazy. I didn't know what to do with curly hair. Still don't know what to do, but I looked kind of goofy. And in fifth grade, my cousin, her name is Sadie, she moved to Web City. Um, And there was some tension there. Like, I had grown up at Web City since second grade, so I had all my friends. And then, you know, like a nice cousin would do, you would introduce your cousin to all of your friends. But I didn't do that because I have this weird thing, like, I don't want to share my friends. It's a whole other issue that we can talk about another night. Um, But Sadie. We are in the Christmas play at Web City Middle School and I get cast as one of the carolers in the play because I'm not good at acting or singing or speaking parts, really. Um, so I'm like, they need someone to fill this costume, it's me. So I'm in fittings for this caroler and they made me look like an old grandma um, with this like weird skirt apron thing. And Sadie uh, said something mean about me. And I found out through other people that she said, like, how ridiculous I looked. And sure, it hurt my feelings, but because I like justice and a sense of revenge, I was like, I'm not just going to let it hurt my feelings, but I'm going to get her back. Um, And so the thing that I thought I could do as a fifth grader is We used to give out uh, our little pictures, our school pictures to like each other and it was like a fun thing. I don't know if you guys do that anymore. You should, Um, but I had my cousin's picture. She was dating a boy named John at the time and I didn't like John, I thought he was strange. Um, And I was like, you're in fifth grade, you don't need to be dating anybody. Um, And so I was like, I'm gonna get back at her. And I took out her picture and I got a little Sharpie and I started drawing the mustache uh, and drawing the weird hair and like elf ears. Um, And I wrote, loser on it. I'm very mean. And then I wrote Mrs. and John's last name, because I was like, I'm gonna get her, like you're marrying him in fifth grade. And then I put it in her locker. Again, I don't know where my teacher is at this moment, like how I can just walk out of my classroom and put it in her locker, but I did. Um, And I'm not trying to be the hero of the story, but I do think you need to know that I went and sat back in my classroom and I was like, that was pretty mean, I need to go take it out of her locker. Walk out there, my friend Drew, just hanging out in the hallway because he got kicked out of class because he's in trouble. And he's like, that was rude what you did and I took it out of her locker. And I was like, you know what, I was coming to do that anyway, so it's great. Red flag, he's already in trouble, he totally lied to me, he did not take it out of her locker. So my cousin found this picture of mean things drawn on it Mrs. John, and she immediately started crying. And again, I don't know how I found out, I guess it was after school or something, but I went out into our little pod and saw her crying, and I was like, no. And I said, Sadie, that was me, I'm so sorry. And she was like, well, you should have told me earlier because I already told my teacher. And here was Miss Lamb and Mr. Bird, you guys know Mr. Bird, and I have never been more afraid as a fifth grader in that moment when he's yelling at me of how to treat people kindly. And I was like, yeah. And so I missed all my Friday socials for like the next month or two. Um, But I wish I could say that was the last time I retaliated. But literally, if my memory was better, I probably could give you a scenario of just last week when someone said something that was ridiculous to me and I like lashed back out and made fun of them or something because I... I really do, this is a part of my personality or character, whatever you wanna call it, that Jesus constantly has to remind me of like the way in which I treat other people. And probably, you guys were laughing during it, I don't know if you were just laughing at me, or maybe you were thinking of times that you have done the same. All right, I'm probably in this room not the only person that has a problem with like wanting to get back at someone when they've wronged me or wronged someone that I love or that I like. Um, So I think it's important that we're talking about what Jesus has to say about it then, if it's a problem for at least me. If anything, you just get to hear um, him tell me to knock it off, okay? So we're gonna start in verse 38. You can look it up on your phones if you want to, but it'll be on the screen. You've heard that it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth, all right? So Jesus is bringing in um, part of the law. They've heard this, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. What this was called was the law of retaliation. And so really it protected innocent people. So like it protected them that the get back or the revenge aspect of it didn't go past it. So someone pokes your eye out, you can't like go and cut their arm off, okay? eye for eye, tooth for tooth, that kind of thing. So Jesus starts there. Remember, he said he's come to fulfill the law to make it more complete, and so he goes on. But I tell you, Jesus the authoritative teacher, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. All right, interesting. Don't resist an evil person. Is that hard for any of you guys to hear? I imagine it was also hard for them to hear. But here's here's the scenario Jesus points. Someone comes up, I don't know if you've had beef before or if it's just out of nowhere and they just smack you on the right side of your face. How many of you, raise your hand, would just be like, yep, here's my left one too? Is that easy to do? Maddie, okay, everyone's <laughs> going to hit you now. Don't hit Maddie. Um, me, outside, just trying to obey a command or a law, I'm not doing that. I can't do that. Like, that would make me totally mad. And actually, I did that to my brother multiple times <laughs> growing up. Like, we would just hit each other again, not great. Um, and I'll tell you that my brother, representing the male species, also didn't like it. It was like, you should, I should have just knocked him out, and I think we would have, like, reconciled faster than that. But I hit him, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna hit you, and it was madness. And Jesus says, do not resist an evil person, if someone slaps you on the right, turn to them your left. That is a hard thing to do. But maybe you'll remember that we talked about Jesus is not just reciting law and saying follow it, but really what he's doing is he's getting at the heart of the law. And what he cares about is transformation that happens internally, all right? because you can follow all of these things externally and look like, man, you really got it together, but if your heart isn't transformed, then you're really just acting out things that inside you don't believe are right or good for you or the other person. And so Jesus says these stark things that this is what a kingdom person does. You turn the other cheek. And when he says, if someone forces you to go one mile, here's what's happening in the day, Romans, are occupying, and it was like, actually okay, you could be dressed in your nice slacks, I know you guys wear slacks a lot, and you could be walking to a wedding, a friend's house, whatever, and in the middle of that, they could see you and they could be like, hey, you have to carry this for a mile. And you couldn't say no, like you had to do that. And so Jesus says, when that happens, go with them two miles. Because the kingdom person is generous and gracious. And without an internal transformation of my heart, I, there's no way I would ever do that. Because myself, I am not a generous and gracious person. And I operate sometimes how the world operates, that I'm going to treat you in the way in which you deserve because of what you've done. But the kingdom person treats people the way that God has treated them. And so it looks different, it looks really starkly in contrast with the world, and Jesus says, no, this is actually what we do. And if you'll remember, maybe you have your bracelet on, Jesus says that we are salt and light, and so what salt does is that it preserves good, and it looks entirely different than darkness. And so it shouldn't be surprising to us as we continue reading what Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount that these things are going to be a lot different than what we're used to. So he goes on. He says in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Pause. In Old Testament law, it does say love your neighbor. But it doesn't say hate your enemy. And so I think it's interesting that he says, you have heard that it was said. Because I think what's happening is uh, Jews were told, you know, love your neighbor. So that's people, if I think about it, that's people that look like me, people that are in close proximity to me, um, people that I like, I'm gonna love them. And so what has happened, I think, is that people have started twisting that. And they're like, okay, well, if this is true, love your neighbor, then the opposite must be true as well and hate your enemy. And who was their enemy? Rome. And so they started thinking things like, well, in order to love God, I've got to hate the oppressor and the people um, that don't follow the same God that I do. But what's Jesus do? He makes it more full and he says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You're telling me I have to love my enemy and pray for those who persecute me? Yeah, because a kingdom servant doesn't treat people the way in which they should be treated because of their actions and the things that they say and do, but they should be treated like God treats all of his people. And so that means as a kingdom, as a person in the kingdom, We have two things that we do. We love and we pray. And it looks totally different than what the world says you need to do. Like someone hurts you, sure, you don't have to like them. You know, you don't have to love them, you don't have to hang around them. But Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you're thinking about that and just hearing it, how easy is that to do? how easy is it to love someone who's literally against you? Like I I joke with some of my friends that argue with me or like see things differently than me and I'm like, you just don't like me or you're out to get me. But imagine that actually being someone who you say one thing and they're like, nope, wrong. And just constantly berating you and being against you. And Jesus says, love that person and pray for that person. So I wonder in a room of high school students who your guys' enemies are. Some of you, you're probably like, well, I have siblings and you've seen them and they're my enemy, they're out to get me and I'm out to get them and it's gonna be good. Um, Some of you, maybe you think your parents are out to get you, you know, constantly nagging at you. Oh, they think what's best for me. They do, they do. But maybe you're literally like, I can't get a break. They're always on my tail about something. For some of you, I hear how you talk about your teachers and I know that you literally think some of your teachers are your enemies. Jesus says love them and pray for them. Are you doing that? Some of you have people at your school, guys and girls alike, that say really mean things about you and that spread things that are true and things that are false about you. And you talk to me about it and nobody likes being talked about. And so you're like, they're literally my enemy, they're out to get me, why do they not like me so much? And some of those things are really big and and do seem like persecution for you. And Jesus says, love them and pray for them. How easy is that to do? Well, if you're treating people in the way in which you think they deserve to be treated because of how they're treating you, uh, it's really easy, because you're just like, I don't, I don't even pay attention to them. But if you're treating people how God has treated them and treated you, then it's really hard. Because our example of how we love people is, is rooted in God, of how he treated us. Paul talks in Romans five about while we were enemies, while we were completely going the opposite way, while we hated everything that God stood for, Jesus died for us. And the word Jesus uses for love your enemies is a really strong word. You can think about it um, in like the way a mother or a father loves their child or the love that someone has for someone to, um, you've heard the phrase, I think, like jump in front of a, you know, I take a bullet for you because I love you so much. That self-sacrificing love. And our example of how to love people is found in God, and what did he do? He sent his son to die. And that's the example we're supposed to follow. And how hard is that if you're just like, uh, it's just a rule to tick off. You're never gonna do that, I'm never gonna do that. Unless Jesus gets in and starts to rip out those things in me that are of the world and starts to transform my heart to where I see people for how God sees them, made in his image. And he, he literally didn't care at what cost it was to himself. And Jesus was obedient to the cost of death to bring you back in, to love you, and get you in a right relationship with him again. And Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. He goes on to say, like, if you just love the people that love you, that's, what, what good is that? Like pagans, people who don't follow God do that. So I almost, like, if I'm reading that for myself, I read it like, yippee, great job. You think you're awesome or something? Like, it's so easy to love people that are kind and that love you. It's really hard to love people that don't. But the deal is, we don't love people based on how they treat us. We love people based on how God has treated us. And he has spared no expense of his son's life to love us and to reconcile us back into his family. And here's the deal, if we're going to live as salt and light in the world and we're gonna live as kingdom people and we're gonna take the good news out, we're going to have to love those that are against us, those that disagree with us, those that don't do the same things as us, those, those that don't prioritize a relationship with God, we're going to have to love and pray for those people because does it compute in your mind to tell people about how much God loves them if you don't? I mean, like, have you ever tried that? I've tried it with my brother. My brother is not a follower of Jesus, and we had rough times growing up, and I was not kind to him, and then I'd turn around, you know, I'd come home from youth group, and I'd be like fired up about what my youth minister said, and then I'm like, hey, Zach, like, follow Jesus, he loves you, and he's like, you are so rude to me. And then I'd be like, this makes sense. Of course it makes sense. How am I going to tell someone that there is someone who loves them when I hate them in the way that I act towards them and say things towards them? We are salt and we are light. And because of that, we live differently. And we love those people that seem like they don't even deserve love. You know why? Because we didn't deserve it and we were loved anyways. So I think of this um, lady named Elizabeth Elliott. When I was a freshman in high school, my D group leader had us read a book about her, and it was a book about purity, but more so we talked like about her life. Um, and it was pretty cool. You may have heard of her husband, Jim Elliott. He was a missionary, and he, with some other men, went and tried to make contact in the Amazon with um, this tribe that like, didn't have any Bible, didn't know anything about the gospel or about Jesus. Um, And when they tried to make contact, they actually ended up getting killed. So here's Elizabeth Elliot, um, and she is a widow now because of these people. But a couple years later, because her main focus was to love like God loved her and to spread the good news that, that God has made a way for us to be brought back together with him, she took her daughter, Valerie, who lost her dad to these people. And they went back to this tribe and lived amongst them and told them about the good news of Jesus. And because of her loving her enemies, literally people that I think, okay, you, you killed my husband, you killed my dad. That, that seems like an enemy. But because she obeyed the words of Jesus and took them seriously, she went back and now there, there are Christians there because she was able to say, God loves you. There's a creator who created everything that you see and he loves you, he created you and he sent his son to die for you and his son didn't stay dead but he rose to life and there's freedom in that and there's purpose in living every day and because this woman loved her enemies, this tribe has come to know Jesus and that's just one person loving their enemies. Imagine if we all did that. If we all went into a world where people... (laughs) are looking for the next thing that's cool, looking for the next thing that's like life-giving. And they're just going to all of these things and you're like, stop, it's Jesus. And because of how you act, because of how the Holy Spirit has transformed your heart towards these people, they come to know God. That's what we learned, right? We're a city on a hill that can't be hidden. And when we shine, it gives light to everyone in the house and they see our good deeds and they don't say, good job, Peyton, good job. No, they say, glory to God. And people know that God loves them because we're treating them how God has treated us. And he loved his enemies and he brought us back. I'm gonna pray and then you guys are gonna get to talk in groups about what that looks like, about what it looks like to actually love and speak life um, into the lives of people that, that you maybe have a hard time loving because we're called to be salt and light into a world. And so what, what would happen if we actually did that? It could be really exciting. I'm gonna pray. Father, thank you um, for loving us. Thank you for being good. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for and just the people that we get to be around each and every day, would you help us with wisdom and what it looks like to love and care for those um, that are against us and that we're against? Father, we ask that you would do all of these things so that you would receive the glory and that your kingdom um, would come now. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.